interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, good morning. Today is February 28th, the last day of February, and my name is Scott Shera. I am Grace's dad. And one of the reasons God allowed Grace's premature death was to save others and to wake others up. And that includes me. I was not awake before her death and have become a full-time advocate as a result. This program is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad because being programmed, myself personally, was the single most shocking thing that I have learned since Grace died. And the deprogramming is going to take the rest of my life. Uh, I'm a Christian, and so my views obviously will flow from that perspective, and I'm just giving you that warning in advance. Uh, two weeks ago, one of the listeners uh, got a hold of me, and he said his favorite part of the show is stories about grace. And so everybody knows I start out the program with stories about grace. Well, this past weekend, we went snowmobiling with the grandsons, and my goal was to have them each drive the snowmobile by themselves. So they're 11 and 9. Uh, and it, it was fantastic. So anyway, I want to have Don play a quick clip of Grace driving a snowmobile and then tell you about a couple of events of do, Don't Tell Mom moments. So go ahead, Don. You can play the clip. So a lot of these things, you know, mom's not along. So that particular event on the snowmobile was safe. Uh, great. We had two other ones that weren't quite so safe. One time Grace was, one of the first times she was driving, I let her go by herself. She was going around the hunting cabin and she hit the uh, gas instead of the brakes and went through the electric fence. And, you know, I see this happen in real time and I start running, I fall and, you know, she gets up. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, and we had another one of those events where we built uh, a gigantic, um, snow mound with the with the snow blower thinking the snow snowmobile is going to run right through it so grace being a daredevil she wanted to go first and and of course that flipped the machine and you know these become the don't tell mom moments the you know the first time that that happened was when i taught her how to drive when she was 13 and you get done with that and you realize oh my gosh you know she's gonna you're gonna get home and she's gonna tell mom so we have about an hour drive back and i practice with her the entire time saying, Grace, you can't tell mom, don't tell mom. And so we practiced, practiced. So she wasn't in the door. You know, we were in the door less than a half a second. And then, you know, she said, mom, dad, let me drive. So, you know, then, you know, as, as the dad, you're in the doghouse for a week or so. But, you know, it's uh, those type of moments I, I, I really miss. She was just a blast. So, Don, can you bring in uh, Robert? So my guest today is... Robert Scott Bell. So I've got a little bit of an introduction for him because um, most people would believe that only assassins have three names, but I'm here to tell you that that's not true. However, my suspicion is that this guy was one naughty boy. And when moms get mad, they use middle names. So I can just hear it. Robert Scott Bell, get over here right now. And so all of a sudden that becomes what he goes by now. So I don't know that to be efficient is that given I've got to know him. And uh, so he's got quite a long rap sheet. 
So I'm going to hit some high points of his rap sheets. He uh, he obtained his diploma from the American Academy Academy of Clinical uh, Homopathy in 1994. Uh, he served on the board of the American Association of Homeopathic Pharmacists from 1999 to 2001, and currently serves on the board of Trinity School of Natural Health and United Precious Metals Association. He, uh, he's going to tell us about his history. He has uh, reversed a number of chronic diseases uh, nearly 30 years ago uh, via homopathy, herbal, herbal medicine, organic whole foods, minerals, essential fats, and transformational power of the belief in the Holy Spirit. One of the things I want to do a deep dive into is how he's got himself out of the system and he's got his kids out of the system too. He's got two vaccine free children, Elijah, who's 21 and Ariana, who's 16. And he's married with his wife, Nancy. He's been in broadcast media since 1999. He co-authored with Ty Bollinger, the, the book, Unlock the Power to Heal. And he hosts his own show, the Robert Scott Bell Show, no surprise by that name, six days a week. And he discusses everyday health issues from the perspective of, of alternative and holistic healthcare. So that's quite, I mean, his rap sheet's longer than that, but I just hit the high points there. So with that being said, I want to tell you the title of today is Deprogramming from the Cult of Medicine. And I met Robert a little over a year ago now. He had me on his program. I'm going to have Don play this introductory clip from when him and I first met. So this is the first two and a half minutes of when we met. And he did what you would expect. He wanted to see what perspective am I coming from. And so we'll play that clip and then I'll introduce uh, how we're going to flow today. Go ahead, Don. Now our new friend, Scott Shera. This is another one of those real life tragic stories of the loss of a loved one in this case a 19 year old daughter she had down syndrome and you know i, I mentioned uh, her status because we know that there are immune uh, challenges that a down syndrome child or even adult has uh, more so than a typical adult and uh, this week i had a call from a friend mark who has a, a, a three and a half year old who's a down syndrome child as well sweetest little girl and uh, this child was having respiratory difficulties this week whether it was COVID or not i don't know called up and we put the word out to all of our physician friends that have gone integrative and holistic and one nice man helped help them out but said she did need to get to an er to get some oxygen and uh there were a lot of prayers sent out through the universe at that moment i met with them and the girl is she's she's doing great they got her out they wanted to do a covid test on her and they kind of said no please let's not do that and uh, some, by the grace of God, honestly, the, the hospital there said, okay, we can delay it. And, and they got their oxygen. They got out and the little girl's doing great. And she, and now he's got a nebulizer and they're nebulizing the silver hydrosol. It's a great news story. But at 19 years of age, this, you know what? I'm not even going to tell the story, but it's a tragic story ultimately because this, ch this child, this daughter is no longer with us on this planet. She passed and we believe, and the, the dad believes, Scott Shera believes that it was absolutely hospital induced, uh, could I say the M word murder in this case? I've argued that we've lost some friends to the murderous hospitals. Uh, Scott Sherrill, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. I'm so sorry about the circumstances that with which we're discussing today, but we've we talked a little bit before air, and uh, I really appreciate your spirit in the midst of what you're going through and what you're doing in in speaking out on this tragic case of the loss of your daughter, Grace. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
Yeah, and and please feel free to just let let it out. You know, let, let your lungs let this story out because I know that you've been talking to a lot of people in the media, all alternative, what we call new media, about this story. Um, and before we go further into the details, I, I was going to ask you about your backstory in terms of your overview of medicine. Were you someone that was raised holistically, organically, homeopathically in the Western world? It's so rare because I was raised pharmaceutically. I didn't learn about natural medicine and homeopathy till I was 24 to learn the things that I know to do on, on radio today. But what was your background in terms of your view of doctors in medicine? So um, that was a fantastic question that you ended with. You know, my perspective today, so that was a year ago, but my perspective today compared to a year ago is that um, I have way more to learn than what I know. Um, you know, before Grace went into the hospital, I would say that I, I thought I had a pretty good sense of things. But, you know, now, uh, you know, it, it, uh, nothing surprises me anymore. And I have an awful lot to learn. So this show today, we're going to do this. Uh, it's a lot different than what people who have tuned in are used to, because normally we're talking about exposing evil. We're shedding God's light on evil. Today, we're going to be talking about good. And it's fantastic to do that. This is this is a show I've been really looking forward to. So let's let's get started, Robert. First, um, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, so you can correct me. But define uh, homopathy. Homeopathy, yes. Homeopathy. Homeopathy. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Right. And that form of medicine has been around for well over 200 years. It was based uh, by uh, developed by the German physician Dr. Samuel Hahnemann who recognized that the medicine of his day was killing people as frequently or more frequently than the diseases that they were coming to him for, you know, leeches, mercury, bloodletting, all kinds of stuff that uh, he acknowledged it was not helpful in many cases. And he had been studying other texts and in fact, translating medical texts from other languages into German. And he encountered, uh, an idea that he saw a pattern emerge in this concept of like curing like or law of similars. And in fact, he saw uh, particular botanical substances that had impacts that uh, didn't necessarily make sense in the minute quantities that they could be given. And he began testing and analyzing substances from the three kingdoms, the plant, the mineral and animal kingdoms, and studied and, and found that in their mother state or their normal state, they could cause symptoms when ingested or exposed to those substances and that when he diluted them and in the process of the dilution process, he would vigorously shake them called a process of dynamization, succussion, that he would then readminister that new remedy in a safe and non-toxic way. It countered or reversed the symptoms that it had caused even moments earlier. Greatest example to start with is poison ivy. And poison ivy, as you know, nobody has a mistake in what poison ivy can do when you get in contact with it. You know, the skin rashes, the uncontrolled itching. There's even stiffness associated in the joints with poison ivy exposure. And when you take that plant, which is known by its Latin name, Rus toxicodendron, and you have prepared it homeopathically, now it's non-toxic. It can't cause you to have the poison ivy reaction, but it would reverse it. And based on that like curing like, there's an expansion to that which is what we now know as the law of similars. That is, even if it wasn't poison ivy, 
if you had a skin rash, an eczema, something along those lines, and you utilize that same homeopathic rus toxicodendron, it would reverse that as well. So it expanded not just like cures like, but law of similars, and he, and he applied that to now we know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different substances that we have uh, the provings on, and we have a materia medica to guide us in selection of the remedies to counteract the need for toxic pharmaceutical drugs that, as you know, are the third leading cause of death. Yeah. I argue they could be the first leading cause of death. Yeah, well, I think they are the first leading cause of death now because of mm -hmm. uh, what's happened with COVID, but they're not keeping the statistics accurately. That was a fantastic definition. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I do have a couple other background things before we dive into um, this topic in, in depth, because one thing you said, so when I saw you last speak publicly was at uh, the red pill in November uh, when you and I were both there, but I took a, a screenshot of one of your screens and I wrote it down because it made such an impact. And you said uh, some version of the worst thing a person can, can have if they want health is good health insurance. So can you yeah. comment on that, please? I think that's, yeah, that's a big deal. The most dangerous thing you can have in America is really good medical insurance. And what do I mean by that? If you have coverage, the doctors and the hospitals, they will uh, prescribe every test. They will poke and prod you and bleed you, and, and you'll do everything you can to give them information from your bodily fluids. They will interpret those things to diagnose you with diseases you probably don't have, then prescribe drugs for those diseases you don't have that ends up manifesting 10, 12, 13, 20 other symptoms or diseases for which then they will add additional drugs to. If you don't have that level of insurance, they will look at you and say, here, ha have a couple of aspirin and go home and call me in the morning, and you're more likely to live. Uh, so the idea of really good medical coverage is uh, a misunderstanding how that is something we all need. We need uh, the freedom to explore many options in healthcare and healing in a free market of ideas, not one where we have a monopoly and restriction on the free flow of information and and the government sanctioning only one form of medicine, which is, as we know, the third, second, or first leading cause of death uh, with no option uh, provided to you. And if you dare use that option or talk about that option, and even if you're a doctor, you will be threatened with a loss of license and uh, they will fine you, maybe even imprison you as people who have been able to cure cancer over the last century with natural remedies have found out. Well, that's uh, that's right on. I'm sure you saw the news in the last couple of days where Blue Cross Blue Shield is incentivizing doctors if they uh, they get 100% of their patients that are under 12 with the jab, they get a $40,000 bonus, and you know, yeah. so they incentivize them with wrong things or uh, de you know, disincentivize them with uh, mm -hmm. the other, and um, you know, to break free of that programming of health insurance, I mean, it is, it's strange. I mean, I broke free of that personally about two years ago. We don't have health insurance anymore. And, you know, I encourage people to do it if they're willing to have an open mind. All right. So then I want to switch gears one more time. This has nothing to do with um, homeopathy. Did I pronounce mm -hmm. it right that time? Yeah, well done. Okay, thank you. Um, but I'm very curious because you have chosen to take your family out of the cattle numbering system, the social security number system. So I want you to talk about social security numbers, birth certificates, smart ideas, smart IDs. And then, you know, the, the related question I have is that, you know, that, that number is used for so many things. Like when I hire somebody, 
for my business, yeah. I have to do the paperwork. I have to get the I-9, the W-4 and all those things. And it requires me to verify their identity as the employer. So I need to get their, you know, their social security card, their driver's license, all those things. So how do you deal with that type of thing? Well, you, you as a business are required, you, they deputize you, if you will. They require you to ask the question. It doesn't require the recipient of that information or that, that form to provide you that information. Or if they have it not, they can say, I don't have one. And then the federal government would likely say, well, then you can't hire them. But that's a violation of their fundamental rights to work. There is no law in the United States that requires you to have or use a social security number to live or work in, in, a, in the United States. However, uh, we have a, a tax system, a tracking system based on the Federal Reserve System, and that started in 1913. And um, the so-called income tax happened you know, a little bit later, and arguably the 16th Amendment was never appropriately ratified. But even if it was, it didn't change the Constitution in any way fundamentally. Uh, so the idea that you had to be numbered in order to be considered alive and a functional human being is just absurd. But I didn't know that either until I began to look into my own health issues and realized that I was lied to my whole life by doctors and the media and government about you know what it takes to be well, what it takes to get well and stay well. And my um, doggedness, uh, you know, due to my um, love of freedom caused me to ask questions about many other areas of life after I realized that whole segment of my life had been, I'd been deceived. I said, what else have I been lied to? You know, could there be economic lies? Could there be other governmental lies? Could there be, and name it. And I began to dig deep into it. And I found that this cattling numbering system, you know, was very offensive to me because my, you know, I have ancestors in the Jewish faith uh, that were numbered like cattle during World War II. Um, and you know, working with Vera Sharav and her, you know, what she's done. Um, IBM was the company that numbered uh, the concentration camp uh, victims, and that had continued into today uh, with the Social Security number. Now, if we read the Bible, and everybody's got a different interpretation of it, if you read Revelation, you, you realize there's a mark of the beast that is discussed. Now, I recognize everybody's got a different interpretation of it, but it says there will be a, a time where you cannot do any commerce, basically, without the mark. Now, I perceive that mark to be evidenced by the numbering system. And whether it is the mark of the beast or whether it leads to it, I don't find it much distinct, a difference there. And so before I had children, before I got married, I said, I don't want to do this to anybody else. And I, and I began to ask questions, why do I even want to ask the, or invite the government into my marriage you know, when, before I got married? And, and I decided that it would be between me, my wife, and God and that we would file a, you know, a covenant, if you will, uh, with witnesses, record it in the family Bible, and, um, and then you know, move forward from there. And then when I realized the whole system of, of the uh, birth certificate is like birthing a vessel, like a ship, um, on admiralty law, the law of the seas, uh, I said, I don't want to number my child, and I don't want them to have a birth certificate. And then people say, well, how do you know they're alive? Well, they're breathing, <laughs> they're crying, they're smiling, they're eating, they're pooping. That's enough for me. And we filed basically, you know, in our family Bible recorded, just like it used to be long before this time, uh, we would record major events of the family in the family Bible. And uh, then we were uh, having to, you know, wanting to get a passport for the, for our first child at the time. Yeah. Um, and we had no birth certificate, but we had all the birth records, everything that we had, you know, accumulated. And uh, we were, we were instructed based on reading the exact um, 
uh, instructions for the social, I'm not sorry, in this case, for the passport from the passport agency at the time, U.S. Department of State, this is what you need if you don't have a birth certificate. So I went to the Department of Vital Records. After I think one year of, of, of life, you can go back and request their birth certificate, and then they'll say there's no birth certificate on file, and you'll have that as evidence that you know, they, there is no birth certificate. So you're not deceiving the government. So you, you submit that with all your birth records. And then we had the time because so few people had done this, uh, in many years, apparently, uh, we had to reach out to our Congressman at the time in Georgia, John Linder, who was a dentist, interestingly enough, nice man. He helped push it through and we eventually got our passport for our son. And then we repeated the same for our daughter, uh, five years later or six years later or so when, after she was born. And then, uh, the uh, the Congress saw fit in the last few years to change the law somehow to say you have to have and use a social security number to get your passport or have it renewed. And that was problematic. So we pushed back and they refused and rejected my daughter's renewal, even though they had had passports uh, and tried to, uh, you know, uh, engage in what they call an affidavit perjury trap. Um, and I could see that coming a mile away. So we didn't play their game. And it wasn't even an OMB, an Office of Management and Budget Controlled Number. So they play all kinds of games at that level to try and trick you. But we st stood our ground, stuck to our guns and said, no, our religious beliefs prohibit the use or the numbering of our children in this way. And we refused to use the number that our, that our parents had given us, unbeknownst to them, they thought it was required, right? And we have rescinded and basically said, no more. We will not operate in that system. It is a beastly system. It is a Luciferian system to number human beings like cattle. And uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, it certainly makes for challenges that a lot of people don't have. But part of the deception of, of the, you know, the Luciferian agenda is to make life easier, have you perceive that life is supposed to be easy. So you just kind of go along to get along because to stand up on, on religious grounds, religious freedom principles, not everybody believes the same thing I believe, and they make it difficult to live life with my beliefs. I don't, I don't yell, yell at them and, and, and you know, <laughs> epithet on them or anything like that. I just recognize the deception goes very deep and people just go along and, and they do what they've always been told. But I do remember, you know, mom and grandma used to say, you know, if, if little Johnny jumps off a cliff, are you going to do that too? You know, when you say like, well, little Johnny did it. <laughs> So it's like a basic concept of like when we're adults, do we do everything because everybody else does it or do we do it because we know it's right and we've studied it and, and we've made a decision in full consciousness? Uh, and I have elected to make those decisions in as full of consciousness as I can acquire. And based on, again, my deeply held religious convictions that numbering people like cattle is, is wrong. Um, you know, whether you go back to the Bible or you just feel it intuitively. And in that way, we pushed, pushed, and finally, um, within the last few months, we were able to get our uh, uh, passports renewed without those numbers uh, based on religious freedom. And um, again, it's not easy. No one said it would be easy to live your beliefs, but fundamental to the American experiment in freedom is religious freedom and the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, but it takes effort, it takes knowledge, it takes study. And it takes a willingness to not back down for convenience sake, because they will push back to say, well, are you for real in your convictions? And most people will cave and roll over. But I, you know, read about Daniel in the Bible, read about so many stories about when you had absolute faith in God that, you know, when you know you're doing the right thing, not because it's convenient, but because it's the right thing that you, you stick to that. So that's a big part of my journey. And there's always more to learn. And that's the short version of it. But my son is, you know, now 23. 
uh, you read that intro. It was so long. My son got two years older at that time. <laughs> he's now. My daughter is 17. And, uh, you know, he's out in the workaday world and he gets paid in gold. Just like I taught him, you know, getting paid in real money. And uh, he's maintained his integrity in that way. And he believes in freedom. And I told him when, you, when you're of the age of majority, you get to decide. But I want you to decide in full consciousness. I don't want it to be because of my beliefs, but because you believe it. Because you have to find a way to go through life based on how you believe and, and live according to those beliefs. So it's a high ideal. And I know a lot of people will look and listen to this and go, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. And look, I'm not judging you for whether you do it or not. But I would encourage you to look a little deeper because as you brought up, the digital ID and the central bank digital currency that they're trying to roll out will imprison people in their own homes for their beliefs. You know, the wrong belief on social media and suddenly you're locked out of your bank account and you're not allowed to leave your house to go to the grocery store. Even that's a very real prison. You don't need boxcars like in World War Two anymore with the technology they have. So uh, withdrawing and finding a way to navigate outside of that realm is going to be increasingly important in a world that is quickly living that chapter in the Bible on Revelation. So uh, this is a very important discussion, I believe. Well, I, I'm really impressed that you dove into it this way. You know, that um, that dialectic of the mark of the beast, I, it's interesting to me because that is one of the rabbit holes I've went down. I see it as uh, all these different beliefs of the mark of the beast, I think, were instituted uh, through the seminaries by the Rockefellers to get the, the believers off track. And, you know, the the mark of the beast is you know when you look at it through the lens of the entire bible it is it is a whole thought process that's meant to entrap you and you've elected to not participate in that thought process which becomes the trap of of the mark you know so you know people looking for this one thing that's going to be the mark uh you know that uh, i agree i, I, I think, it's think that's the deal yeah, it's a series of deceptions, and right. we can argue about what it is or what it isn't, but I think we all have to have our own personal revelation and assess how we live our lives according to our belief systems, and right. I recognize that you know, we are all created in God's image, but also unique and individual in that realm, and we have all experiences that uh, you know, color our world and how we perceive and view it, uh, and I don't mind that I, that I don't have the view that everybody agrees with me on. It doesn't matter to me. That's not why I do it. I'm not looking for endorsements and applause for doing it. It was a personal decision based on what I perceive is best for my health and what you call salvation long term of trying to live according to the law as you perceive it and receive it. All right. So uh, with that introduction, I want to switch gears to your childhood. It's really not your childhood. So at age 24... You were woken up relative to homeopathy. So what yeah. was it like in your childhood? What did you have going on? And then how did this, how did uh, what you do fix it? Well, being raised pharmaceutically, my dad was in the pharmaceutical field. My uncle was a medical doctor. We were, you know, dutifully went to pediatricians when we were kids and got vaccines, although there are far fewer at, at the age that, you know, I came into being. But uh, I had an adverse reaction to the smallpox vaccine back when they still gave that. I think you're old enough to remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. You had that pox grow up on your arm. I fell asleep on it as a child, a baby, and, and it reinitiated an inoculation in my fore forehead or my temple, created such vicious pains like migraines, uh, like Super Don, when you described, used to do before he started Cardio Miracle. 
so it's an it, it was quite a journey for me, uh, but I didn't realize any of that as a, a child. Only later on, when I uh, at 24 met a homeopathic doctor who had immigrated from Belgium to the United States and took one look at me and said, "Your liver is toxic, and you need to clean up your food and go organic." It was the first doctor of any kind that said, "You know what? There's a reason for why you've been sick for 24 years with." Uh, um, let's say, let's run through it, skin conditions, gastrointestinal diseases, uh, chronic infections of the ears, the, the nose, the throat, the stomach, the intestines, skeletal inflammation, um, tendinitis, uh, respiratory ailments, borderline uh, asthma, every allergy known to man. And this is the short version. And, and having always met those things with drugs and shots and surgery, you name it, uh, I was a you know, doctor's dream to put their kids through college. With good insurance, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, at the age of 24, hearing that for the first time, that there was a reason that I suffered and that I could find a way out, there was something intuitive that connected, you know, vibrated right with me. It said, okay, finally, something sort of makes sense here. And I began to uh, utilize detoxifying remedies for my liver, went to go organic. In a couple of weeks, I had an extraordinary experience of suddenly being able to breathe out of my nose without a drug. And I thought, well, this is something that I haven't experienced ever. Uh, I'm gonna, Just in, in two weeks? Well, in two weeks, yeah, I had some dramatic shifts in symptoms. I wasn't out of the woods in two weeks. It took two full intense years to correct most of my gastrointestinal uh, inflammation diseases. Uh, and, and now, you know, as you've heard me speak before at, at, at medical conferences, I've been able to, with what I've learned in the 30 years or so since then, um, been able to take that two-year period that it took me to recover my gut down to two months or less for other people, which is great. I'm always trying to be more efficient in how I can get people well or help them to get well when they're ready. Um, but, you know, it's a journey. It's not that I, it, life is ever without its challenges. But considering that I was sick for the first 24 years of my life and now at 57, I'm running circles around people in their 20s and 30s, you know, going to the gym, doing what I do. And, you know, Super Don gets annoyed with me bragging about it, but I, I really do it to try to be a, an example for others that, look, if I did this, considering I was not well as a youngster, uh, what could you do? And, and also, you know, just the fact that I can appreciate so much remembering what it was like to be dragging like a chronic disease anchor with me everywhere I went, partly due to heavy metal toxicity from vaccines and mercury amalgams, the silver fillings that they put in your teeth. We had to remove those before. So there was a lot that I learned that I could help others with. And that's why, you know, I started the show in 1999. And it became the Robert Scott Bell Show after a while when we got syndicated. But um, my passion for this is born of my own needs to be well and what I need to do to learn to be well so that I can help myself and others to do to what I did or even better things. Well, that's uh, so let's just let's run through the the uh, most common myths. So I'll just get you rolling as far as how I'm thinking. I remember in school, you know, they in the health class, they always had the food pyramid. So why don't you just build on the food pyramid and then I want you to to reveal other common myths that people have bought into that that uh, uh, they're really just not they're complete lies is what they are. So go ahead, Scott, I'm not trying to age you, but you remember before the food pyramid, we had four food groups. You remember the basic four food groups? <laughs> And you are trying to age me. Uh, thank, yeah. Thankfully, I'm old enough. I won't even remember it. So go uh, ahead. Well, if you remember, they were pizza, hot dogs, Coca-Cola and potato chips. And, <laughs> and, and if you were in Wisconsin, maybe it was extra cheese. But uh, there was nothing about them that were, was based on real solid nutritional science. It was about who lobbied the most to the government to get the prime placement. 
to say, hey, this is what's really critical. And then these industries would benefit as the government mandated it or or, you know, encouraged it and subsidized it, et cetera. And then, you know, eventually it was the um, food pyramid. Same scenario occurred uh, where you can almost turn it upside down and, and, and do better. Uh, but it was who lobbied the best. So a lot of the uh, uh, so-called nutritional information we got were from what we call registered dietitians, which were the lap dogs for the pharmaceutical uh, purveyors of, of, of drugs, the doctors. And they weren't really focused on nutrition. I mean, who funded the dietetics board? Um, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, you know, all the, the fast food industry. Uh, so in the 20th century, they also, you know, persuaded the government to say that, the, you know, the thing that caused uh, diabetes and other problems was not sugar, but it was uh, fat. So they said everybody needs to be on a low fat diet and they transitioned people from eating the fat of our ancestors, whether it be lard and butter and ghee and other things that were saturated, uh, convinced us that we must eat motor oil, otherwise known as margarine. You know, basically it, 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 it's stuff that you would grease your engine with and they wanted us to eat that trans fats created heart disease, created inflammation and aging, uh, and hydrogenated these oils. And it was, a, again, a disaster in the, in the marriage of government and medicine, much less government and nutrition. Thomas Jefferson warned us about these things. Uh, so uh, learning that much of everything that I had been taught was wrong and upside down and inside out, uh, I began to dig deeper. And again, that precipitated my, you know, being open to hearing the message from a homeopathic doctor from Europe to say you got to go organic and you got to eat food that's whole and real and stop the processing garbage and and fat is not bad right you know begin to study the peer-reviewed medical literature to find out they lied to us about cholesterol causing heart disease i mean it was one thing after another after another so yeah. your your standard starting point when when government and medicine say something is to believe the opposite until you can prove it you know somehow that they got it right one time out of how, how many times so um that so let's just, you know, some of the, let's just hit some of these things that you're saying. So no processed foods. I mean, that yeah. seems like a no brainer. Um, mm -hmm. Sugar, no, no sugar. Refined sugars, of course, you rip out the minerals like chromium, which is so critical to process sugar. Uh, and they use that for industry. And what you're left with is a white powder that is like crack cocaine, you know, for the body. Uh, it, it's devastating. And yet, you know, the industry threw us off the course and said, no, 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 it's fat. And this completely destroyed us and then created an industry where they could treat our diseases of avoiding fat with surgery, like open heart bypass, for instance, or, you know, other anti-inflammatory drugs and on and on. So all of it fed into the, the pharmaceutical medical industrial complex. And since there was no allowable competition to their one size fits all treatment methodologies, uh, we we were you know deceived, and there were you know a small few percentage of the people in America that stayed on that health food course, but some of them were also deceived on the low fat thing. Many people in the natural realm thought, yeah, fat was bad, and even today you'll see a lot of low fat items in a health food store, and usually what what you see in a low fat and no fat item, it's a, it's packaged in cardboard, it's processed, and it's a chemical crap storm. You don't want to eat. So it isn't that it's, you know, all of the people in the natural world got it right either. They were deceived and still there are products in health food stores to lower cholesterol or for healthy cholesterol levels. But cholesterol levels being extremely high or low is indicative of liver congestion and liver toxicity. It's not about cholesterol. Cholesterol is a life-saving substance that will give you the opportunity to live long enough to have a heart attack one day should you have it because you didn't know the damage you were doing to your heart and arteries because you were eating the low-fat garbage and the toxic heavy metals and, you know, the processed foods, et cetera, that were lacking the minerals that are essential to everything. How important 
is eating organic. Well, it used to be uh, food was just called food. You know, it didn't matter. Food was food. Everybody grew food. There was no uh, Monsanto or Bayer po poisoning the, uh, the the crops with uh, uh, artificial fertilizers that would cause the plants to become, well, they looked good, but they were not healthy and balanced. And then they would destroy the soil further with these toxic chemicals, making the minerals not bioavailable for the plants that would grow there. So anybody that ate those plants not only didn't get the minerals that were life-sustaining, but they, they got all of these toxic poison synthetics that had never before been in in the environment in recorded history. And we were asked to deal with that as a human species over the span of a few generations. We just don't, you know, we don't change that quickly. And, uh, you know, so we have this issue of organic food being food, but we have to, you know, delineate what kind of food is it? Is it genetically engineered GMO as well? Uh, and the reduction of the flow inflow of these pesticides and genetically engineered ingredients has resulted in, in tremendous benefits, even if you do nothing else. And I, I love to recommend that maybe you could interview him one day, my good friend, Jeffrey Smith from the Institute for Responsible Technology. And he did a film with Amy Hart called Secret Ingredients. And in about a 90 minute film, you get to see uh, various age groups, grandparents, parents, and kids down to little kids that had been eating just a standard American diet, commercially, conventionally grown, pesticide-laden, genetically engineered foods. And they all had different ailments. Two of the kids in the movie were considered autistic. Uh, the, the parents were sick with things. The grandparents had chronic things. And in the course of this doctor-monitored movie, even two of the kids lost the autistic diagnosis simply by doing one thing, switching to an organic, non-GMO diet. Nothing else changed. Simply by going organic, they were able to undo many of their chronic ailments. And that's not even like me. I would say not only that, here I've got some other things you can do, some remedies, some supplements, and the, that would accelerate that further. But in the span of this movie, you'll see how important it is to clean up what goes into you. And I would say it this way, if you don't believe that you can afford it, then you're spitting in God's eye because you don't believe you're worthy of what it takes, what you need to be healthy for the entirety of your mission here on earth. And I know that sounds harsh for some people to go, what do you mean? I'm just saying, man, love yourself enough to give yourself the best because God wants the best for you. And it's our own bad tapes and programs from other people that tell us we're not worthy. We believe it by saying, I can't dot, 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 fill in the blanks. And if you don't think you can afford organic food, uh, Joel Salatin, the farmer, he says, have you priced cancer lately? You know, wow. perspective on that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. So what about um, current lies? And I don't know that this is a lie or not. I just want your perspective because I, I look, I mean, you, you've been around me enough, you know, I have a weird sense of humor. So I look for the humor in things. And so one of the things that I see is humorous. So like I open up the box for this microphone and the box says gluten-free on the outside, <laughs> you know, so it seems like everything's gluten-free today as a marketing gimmick. So yeah. is that, is that a gimmick? Is it real? What's the deal with gluten-free? Well, the problem with gluten, you know, over the course in, in the West, particularly in America, we've hybridized the wheat to such a degree to increase its protein content, the gluten. And yeah, it can be difficult for some people, but I think the, the most damning part of what's happening with the gluten is what's in it. Because if the grains, the wheat, the different things are grown chemically, or if they're, you know, genetically modified or desiccated, dried for, for harvesting all at the same time with the active ingredient of Roundup called glyphosate, uh, that carries, the gluten carries that in, in a much greater abundance, and that creates uh, damage or injury, just as sure as you cut holes or, you know, scrape your skin, your, your epithelial barrier, 
within the gut. It punches holes. It weakens the connective tissue integrity uh, because the glyphosate, uh, you know, basically displaces the glycine, you know, an essential amino acid and weakens our connective tissue. So if we are to correct that, again, understanding that gluten could be a problem for some, I found that people, for instance, that were even diagnosed some celiac, when they went to for Italy and got the the high, the non-hybridized heirloom wheat grain varieties and pastas and things, suddenly they, they, they say, I can eat pasta in Italy, but I can't eat it back in the States. How is that? There's gluten in that. So it's the quantity and, and the quality, you know, that's an issue. Uh, outside of a genuine celiac that is very intolerant, but even that can be improved by cleaning up what goes in and restoring integrity to the epithelial barrier of the gut. And that's you know, what I've lectured on for years when I talked about two years to heal my gut before I knew anything about the things I lecture on today, like silver and aloe, developing tech, uh, techniques or protocols to accelerate the recovery and integrity of the epithelial barrier in the gut. That's the silver aloe gut recovery protocol that I wrote about and unlock the power to heal and I've made available for free on my website at robertscowbell.com because I feel it's so important. If you can just get your gut in order, working order, you've got a not just a chance, but an inevitability that healing and, and recovery happens. Well, Don, can you make sure you put robertscowbell.com in the show notes? Um, I think that's that's important. I, you know, I, I want to give some action steps. So let's just say at this point, we've got uh, somebody that, okay, I get, I get what he's saying. Um, so there would be two questions that people have. And so the first one I believe is they'd say, okay, what, how can I immediately start reclaiming what I've lost? What, give me the top three things that I can do today to get this process started. And then yeah. I'll go to the second question after you answer that question. Sure. Well, I, I would say, you know, we mentioned it just briefly about the worthiness issue, begin to practice whatever spiritual practices you have to strengthen your communication with the divine with god and and so that you're guided always to that which is here to fulfill your purpose and mission uh let that be your guiding uh light so to speak uh because so much else is just cacophony and noise that's here to distract you and we've talked about some of those distractions as well uh believe that you are worthy of the healing that you claim to desire but be open enough and humble enough to re to receive it, even if it's a message you're not really thrilled about. Like, oh, I mean, I, I mean, I have to change what I eat, for instance. Um, you can be deluded to believe you can do everything by just supplementing and just taking medicines and natural things and yet eating the same garbage. And if that works for you, knock yourself out. But I haven't found anybody that can fully pray away all the toxic poisons every day. I think when I say that, I don't mean to denigrate prayer at all because I believe in it, use it. Uh, but we are asked to do that which is in our genuine control and to choose cleaner foods. I mean, there were laws in the Bible about kashrut or kosher for the times to be able to help people guide them to stay well. It wasn't about all oh, you can eat buffets of everything and then just pray it away. <laughs> you know, we're asked to do a little bit more than that. That's part of it. Now, if we have something we have genuinely no control of, like, you know, the quality of the air, what are they spraying on us? Well, turn that over to God too. And if you find a way to remedy that, then fine. But uh, I'm not asking you to worry about everything to make it you, you immobilized in fear and paralyzed with fear. But you do that which you have control over. That is cleaning up everything within your grasp, in your home and your environment, your work environment, and minimize the exposure because you have a resilience. You have uh, redundancies as well to overcome a lot. Uh, the fact that we're alive considering all that's happened to our planet that man has done is a testament to the power of creation 
but we are also the most chronically ill species. Uh, there is no other species, much less if we talk about various uh, subspecies, if you call Americans a species or Westerners a species, we are chronically ill almost from birth because of the vaccine paradigm. And uh, that, you know, has come out recently with many of the pediatricians that have done these studies of that, you know, as I've seen around the world and traveled many times, the only healthy kids I see are the least vaccinated or in fact, the not vaccinated at all. Other than that, everybody's got one, two or 10 chronic diseases in childhood. What is that? I mean, we used to accept some of that in aging and say, well, yeah, you're going to get some chronic diseases when you age. But even that I'd argue against based on living differently as I'm seeing myself go in that reverse order. And I'm not saying there aren't challenges that I have to this day, but my gosh, you know, I've shown that by controlling for that, which I have control over, I'm able to overcome a lot of threats that are still present and I'm still exposed to. Uh, but they don't have that same overwhelming power to, to to throw me off course like I had had all those ailments and illnesses earlier in my life. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, your best defense is a good offense. And so a good offense relative to health, that, that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. So the second question is, so again, somebody's bought into this now and they want to take action, and but they've got some chronic ailments. Is there a... Is there a network of um, homeopathic um, people like you that, you know, on a state by state basis, that there's a resource that I can put up on great, either Grace's website or in the show notes mm-hmm. or both where, where um, there's a network available for help? Well, I'd love to encourage everybody to, to uh, view my, it's just an hour long introductory lecture uh, that's available through Trinity School of Natural Health on clinical homeopathy which got me started, you know, the basics for starting what got me on my way, road to health and healing. Uh, it's not the end of, of everything, but it's a great start. And it's just uh, available at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. It's clinical homeopathy uh, intro 101, basically, plus, and it's a, a, a lecture on demand there. From there, you can access many of the Trinity uh, School of Natural Health graduates that have, uh, they're everywhere now, which is wonderful. I, I often interview them on my show because I'm so inspired by these people. Some of them are doctors and nurses going through the program. Others start as a layperson, but they genuinely want to help themselves and others. And they're doing great work and it's more body, mind and spirit focused. Now, it's not necessarily those that still want to avail themselves of the medical community. If you do, uh, there may be some options there as well, but I'm trying to instruct people that the less you use doctors and medicine, the better off you'll be. Recognizing that some people are not there yet, they have a, they need a crutch and a bridge to get there. Uh, but I would say that would be a good place to start. Well, that's that's excellent. Thank you for that, uh, Don. Can you make sure you put that link in the show notes then also? And you know, once we we get that, I'm going to end up putting this in the resource tab of Grace's website also, so it's easier for people to find. So um, I'm going to uh, wrap things up, Robert, with a, a couple of things I was thinking about, and and then of course I want to have you give the final word. But is there any before I start going into closing? Is there anything else that that I haven't covered with my questions that you think? is important to cover oh well there, there's always much more but uh, you got to give people bite-sized pieces because it's overwhelming you know my journey is one that uh if i can encapsulate it into one moment for somebody you know cause their head to explode and that's not my intent uh so you know little bite-sized pieces go organic and even if you can't go all organic one thing replace one thing for another right every little bit you do it also shows god that you are committed to caring for this temple, this body that you're in. It's not just about, well, I say it, but I, I don't believe it because I won't change what I do. 
right? And your body cells know this too. They, they know it's like they're waiting for you. Are you really committed to this course of action? Because they hold on to the, these toxins to protect you in a sense in the fat cells and extra water retained. And, and you're saying, well, no, no, this time I mean it. But those cells know if you don't clean up what goes in, they're going to continue to hold off on dealing with that burden to try and keep you alive as long as possible. Yes, you'll be chronically ill, but you'll be alive. Now, um, when you go through the healing processes, sometimes you'll have symptoms and sometimes they may worsen before they get better, but that's an age, age old adage as well. And our grandparents and others' ancestors knew this uh, because your body's signals and symptoms are evidence of strength. If you have no symptoms whatsoever, you're dead. <laughs> you know, and I mean, symptoms of life too are good, good symptoms, right? If you can describe symptoms that way. Um, but the idea is that uh, being symptom-free is healthy is not true. When you're healthy, you reject toxic poisons. So if you were to eat fast food, you'd throw it up right away and you'd be healthier for it rather than accumulating that garbage in the body. So it's a different mindset. If you see somebody that can go to the drive-thru and eat that stuff and not even get diarrhea, there's a problem there. That's not a good sign. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. You know, that actually is a great segue to what I want to say in closing. So, you know, when I when I hear you speak, and uh, and uh, this applies to a number of of people who I've met in this medical freedom movement now, you know, I see how programmed I've been. You know, my my short history with getting healthy is I just you know I thought I always eat healthy. I mean, I don't eat fried food. You know, I. I, you know, I rarely have a soda. Um, but, you know, all that being said, I was diagnosed with heart disease about six years ago. And that was my wake up call to, uh, you know, this food pyramid and all of this stuff and, uh, and, and where the money is, you know, so when you see that uh, the American Heart Association says sponsors foods. Well, what's going on with that? Why is this General Mills food sponsored by the American Heart Association? Uh, you know, and and figuring out about cholesterol and you know what they what the medical system wanted to do was put me on a statin drug right away. And you know, thankfully, I had uh, somebody that is a holistic doctor who I know well, we went to high school with her, she steered me in the right direction. So then I was able to research heart disease and realize, oh my gosh, this is, this is curable. Um, so, you know, thank God for that. But, you know, that was just a, that was just one step in the right direction. And what I was thinking about you and I talking today, I was thinking about a movie I watched. Uh, this is quite a long time ago. It was a true story about a woman's championship basketball team, a college team. And the coach, said as part of the introduction you know they weren't doing very well and so now she's wants to build a championship team or at least she she maybe she didn't have that vision but she knew what it would take and so she told every one of the team members write down everything that you know about basketball so they all write everything they know about basketball so the analogy is write everything down that you think you know about good health and then she told each one of the team members, crumple up that piece of paper and throw it in the trash because now we're going to start fresh with the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I was thinking about is in getting ready for today's today's. You know, we are bantering about back and forth is the first thing serious about what our responsibility is 
to our Lord. And that means that the first step requires repentance. If you're serious, it requires repentance about your old ways. And uh, I can't emphasize that enough. I think that is what is missing. Uh, that's why we are in the trouble we are in as a nation, as a world, is that we're a, we're a world without God. And, you know, we, we have an opportunity to all repent and get back to the one real prince, not the prince of this world. Uh, and, and that's what our responsibility is. You know, Jesus Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day so that uh, we can reconcile with God the Father. And, you know, that's that starts with, with believing that and then repentance. And, you know, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I believe that. So, Robert, you have the final word. Well, I uh, just want to acknowledge, uh, you know, I never got to meet Grace in this lifetime, but she has been an extraordinary soul to encounter through you her dad uh since we met and you know just the way you opened today and i saw the snowmobile stunt that she did i just laughed and i thought my gosh anything you say about her about the the life that she led at times 10 i could see it there and how exciting and wonderful it was and what a great gift that she gave us all in her life and and in her for us our unfortunate passing uh, but at the same time what you're doing is uh, you know, nothing sort of uh, short of a miracle, uh, because not everybody takes what a tragedy like that and does what I think Grace knew her dad you would do and are doing. And I'm just you know blown away by everything you've done since we first met, and and the fact that we're here on your show deprogramming with Grace's dad. And you know today we've deprogrammed a little bit from some of the cult like devotion to medicine and and other things and. What a great gift is all I can say. And uh, I only wish that I, I met her while we were here, while she was here, but we'll all see her again one day. And I'm sure she's, oh, I know for sure she's here with us right now, uh, smiling and being so happy and grateful that uh, you're carrying on in, in a way that you, you never would have perceived could have been possible with your history and background. So uh, again, I'm, I'm just blown away being here and watching you grow and develop, uh, you know, and to show us that at any age on this in this body while we're still breathing there are miracles happening and sometimes we just got to get out of the way and and realize what the message the true message is beyond even the emotions that are very real that i feel and i see you feel but you've not let that stop you for a second and uh and even if it does it's just a a momentary rest point in eternity which we're allowed to have too and that's okay so god bless you my friend god i appreciate you so much well, Robert, thanks. Thanks for that. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, what we we need to do is get out of the way and let God live. You know, my little buddy uh, early on when we got started with this, my daughter, Jessica, said, you know, Grace is looking down on you, dad, and saying, way to go, earthly dad, because mm -hmm. uh, Grace called me earthly dad. I mean, just <laughs> think about that. I mean, it was, it was pretty yeah. special. So mm -hmm. thank Thanks for very much for coming on today this was quite a gift to have you robert scott anytime and and we'll you know you're welcome back on our show my show anytime and we share super don which i love that because he's <laughs> he's a conduit for a lot of awesome uh stories to be told and communication to reach the world and uh, just a shout out to him and say thanks as well so um anything you need from me you know just reach out thank you
live for further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.